The parable of the unmerciful servant. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that his, he and his wife and his children and all that he had to be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, cancelled the debt and let him go. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I cancelled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. Good morning, I'm Josh, nice to see you. We are carrying on in our series, How on Earth? Lots of big topics and titles. And uh, today is How Can I Forgive? By show of hands, anyone here seen Hamilton? Musical, quite a lot, good to know. I've had a line from one of those songs in my head for this whole time I've been preparing to speak about forgiveness. And it's the line, I'm not going to sing it, even though people asked me to in the first service. It says, forgiveness, can you imagine? They elongate the word imagine in the song. Can you imagine? And this is a moment of family loss, rebuilding a marriage after adultery. Forgiveness, can you imagine? I can't, I won't, how can I, why should I? Maybe some of those questions are things that we say when we think about forgiveness and wanting to be people who try to do that but knowing that it's very, very difficult at times. And I want to start this, this morning by recognising the depth and the breadth of this topic, that there are a lot of really helpful tangents that we could go down and that we won't have time to go down in the 20 or so minutes that we have together this morning. I also want to recognise that how it has for me this talk has the potential to trigger things in us, things that are happening right now, things from the past, really big things, sometimes smaller things as well, but just to recognise that that is the case. And I, we would encourage this in every sermon. If you feel like you're struggling with some of the content, or if you're wanting to respond but it's really, really difficult, I would especially encourage today, follow up. Talk to a friend, especially a friend that knows Jesus, maybe somebody who's here with you today. We would love to, as a team, pray for you, walk on a journey with you, not just today, but going forward as well. 
There might be need for some of us, as things get bought up, to be deliberate about professional help. We can signpost that here at HTC as well. And so I just want to put that kind of caveat in place as we look at a topic that is big, that can be emotive, and that can be challenging. As I say, I won't be able to cover everything. I'd really encourage those of you that are in a connect group, that's a great space to journey the kind of things that so often come up when we respond to what God's word is saying to us in the area of forgiveness and any other area as well. And if you're not part of a connect group, come and find me afterwards. I'd love to talk to you about that, especially if you call HTC home. Before we get to our passage properly today, let me just tell you a few quick stories, some from my own life, some from others, of just examples where... This subject of forgiveness, recognizing that we all have people that sin against us, that people who will cause us hurt, it is the reality of living in a broken world that desperately needs a savior. Let's start light. For anyone who was ever told that the music on the ice cream van meant there was no ice cream left. Anyone? No? Forgiveness. In preparing for this, I was reminded of times over the years where I've really felt let down by friends where, especially in situations where we've been friends a long time, and the thing that they did or the thing that they said feels like it's trodden all over the friendship that we had. And there's had to be moments where I've had to forgive and to take time to rebuild trust. I realized as I prepared for this talk, in some of those situations, there was still unforgiveness in my heart. I wasn't ready to completely let go. And that's a journey I've been trying to take over this last month and continue to. And you'll see forgiveness, sometimes it needs to be a process. In my own life, I think about a leadership process I was in, not here at HTC, where I felt completely let down by the leadership in this context. And instead of being taken through something well, where I was asked to and I responded in being vulnerable, at its worst moment, I was sworn at, shouted at, and unfairly accused. In my own life, especially where I see patterns of sin, Consistently parenting in a way that I know wouldn't be how Jesus would do it. A bit shouty, a bit childish, a bit impatient to name a few. As I've traveled through this and in my life in general, I've had to go on a journey of what it looks like to forgive myself. Or in really difficult circumstances. I was speaking to a friend uh, saying that I was doing this talk and they told me about a journey that their family went on in the area of forgiveness where a member of the family was sexually abused by an older relative. They acknowledged that it was really, really tough. How do you forgive in that situation is the fair question that they asked. But he described how, as a child, he felt conviction from God to forgive this person, prayed God would help him, and amazingly was both able to forgive and grow up without bitterness in his heart. Feels angry at the situation, and for his sibling, but not towards the perpetrator, his anger reserved for the powers and principalities behind what happened and not the flesh and blood that carried it out. Many of us will know the story of Corrie Ten Boon, worked against the Nazis in World War II, hiding Jews away in her home. And when she was eventually caught, sent to a concentration camp with her dad and her sister, Betsy, who both died in that camp, suffered more at the hands of people than I dare to say most of us could possibly imagine. And then there came a moment where she came face to face with one of the guards, one of the people who was there in that place at a church after she preached after the war. And she describes how with the help of Jesus, she was able 
to forgive this man? How on earth can there be forgiveness? What happened in these things? What happened on Lesser Avenue this week, just here with the corrosive substance attack, just on our doorstep, senseless acts of violence and aggression, forgiveness, justice, such big questions, such hurt. And all of us, even now as we've talked through those examples, may or possibly will have big and small examples of where forgiveness Unforgiveness, the challenge of forgiveness is live and is real for each and every one of us. Some of those things will be huge and some of them will be smaller. But let's get into the passage. And before we get to kind of the bit where Jesus tells a parable and gives a sort of illustrative story, let's just look at verse 21 and 22, which is Peter, as he often does, coming to ask the question that we want to ask. I think it's not a new question. Let's not be naive. We'd ask the same question. How many times should I forgive my brother and sister when they sin against me? Up to seven times? He's being generous in his mind. Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. And it's a big response from Jesus, isn't it? It's supposed to imply that we forgive infinitely. Jesus is asking Peter and us to commit to something seemingly unfair and definitely seemingly impossible. And in this moment, the extent of what it means to forgive, and to forgive in the way that God asks us to do, led me to conclude that there's a huge extent of it, and it led me to conclude that I can't forgive on my own. I can't forgive on my own. And then Jesus tells this story that I'm going to get some Lego people to help me with, because um, at Christmas, my kids got loads of Lego from my parents, Facebook Marketplace, Job Lot, something like that. Honestly, it's become more of a job than a blessing, because we've got lots of sets to make, but we're very grateful. And uh, what we have here is we have Jack, okay, but others coming to the king, asking for a, look, I made these earlier this week, you're welcome, it's made it all worth it. Loads of people coming to the king and asking for their debt to be forgiven, And then we have one specific guy. This is Jack. Jack, he comes and he has a really, really large debt. You see how big here on this neck? Wow. That's, I mean, that's a lot of gold Lego, is it not? And we see how big all of this debt that he owes is. And you know what the king, yes, he looks like Elvis. That was deliberate. He comes and he talks about this debt. And and Jack, he begs, please, I can't pay it. It's too much. And the king, he forgives the debt. He cancels the debt. He takes it away. He takes the place of it just there. And then this same guy that we've called Jack goes off to find another servant. Let's call him Fred. I called him James in the first service, but that's confusing because I have the same letter in their name. Fred. Bear with me. He go, and, and this guy comes to Jack and he says, oh, I've got, I've got a debt to pay as well. And just on, on the next slide, you can see, by the way, there's a big difference between this guy's debt and this guy's debt. But still, Jack comes in riding on his... Harley Davidson or whatever, basically he's showing he's very powerful over this other person. And does he forgive the debt? No, he doesn't. We just read that in our passage. Instead, he decides not to, and poor Fred is thrown into prison. Fred's got pals. And his pals see what's happened. They're watching what's going on. And they're like, hey, come on now. That's not, that's the pals, angry mob. They're not happy. They're not happy about the way that this guy, this Fred, has been treated by this other servant, Jack. They're not happy about it. And so they go and snitch to the king. Next slide, please. Yeah. And they say, this is what's gone on. And the king responds 
by recognizing the injustice of what is happening and sending Jack to prison. And that is essentially, you're welcome, uh, in Lego form, today's story. And I hope it provides like, images in our minds as we go through what is quite a deep thing to talk about, images that might help bring it back. Can we give, the, um, can we give Jack and these guys a round of applause, please? Thank you. That was a really bad round of applause. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> so we go through today's passage, and we're supposed to see immediately as people who are now post-New Testament that this is an amazing picture of what God has done for us in Jesus in cancelling the debt of sin. Our sin cancelled on the cross. And when we read this bags of gold, it isn't bags as in the street slang for thousands. There's no South Londoners in Israel. It is 10,000 bags of gold, which equates to millions of pounds. Not even the emperor, the richest person at that time, would have been able to pay this debt. It's supposed to be an impossible amount to pay back. That's what the parable is supposed to tell us. It's not possible. It's not possible without the king cancelling the debt. And it's worth recognising before we even start talking about what it looks like to forgive other people, to recognise in this moment the extent of our own debt and our need for forgiveness. It's huge. Justice is rightness and fairness, giving people what they deserve. And God is just and he cannot be unrighteous. If we were given what we deserved, we would go to hell. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All of us, we are stuck without, in an eternity without God, without the forgiveness of Jesus. Our debt is huge. His offer for forgiveness is huger. I've written in brackets here, aware that might not be a word. But it's big. It's massive. It's more than we can imagine. God is also merciful and found a way to forgive and accept us. The punishment fell on Christ. I remember when moving from one house to another here in London about eight or nine years ago, and I had to get a van from Nottingham to bring a bunch of furniture to London. Short story, crashed the van. Not as bad as it sounds, I'm fine. But I took a wing mirror off, and, I, and, the, and the deposit no longer available to me, it turns out. And so there was a debt there. And that same evening, someone got wind of it, maybe God, exactly the right amount of money that I needed to pay that debt came through the letterbox in our new house. I was, it was elation. It was amazing. How amazing. Thank you, God. This is so cool. That amount of response is nothing. It is nothing. And that amount of debt is nothing compared to what we're talking about being cancelled here. It is utterly amazing. It is utterly amazing. And today I pray that we get this. In Jesus, our sins are paid for, taken from death to life, and it's the biggest thing. So we've said I can't forgive on my own, but we can conclude from this, from this part of the passage, that God can and does forgive. God can and does forgive. We sang Jesus paid it all just earlier on in today's service. And this is the foundation we have as we continue with today's teaching and the response asked from us. We have a forgiving God. And the next bit is tricky, and it's the commitment of it. The opportunity we have, one that was not taken as we read through by Jack, by our first servant. He went out and found Fred, our other servant, and he, and he asked the same question. We're supposed to immediately see the mirror of the above passage. We're supposed to immediately see that same request for mercy. And maybe we're shouting as we read through the passage for the first time, or especially as we see the excellent portrayal by our Lego people, we're shouting, come on, 
Have a little bit of common sense. Look what just happened to you. Surely you can forgive when you have been forgiven so much. But we, we do that, don't we? Especially with the small things. Now, they don't deserve my forgiveness. Someone nipping in front of a new, when a new checkout opens at Lidl. Anyone had that? No, no, just me then. Someone nips into a seat ahead of us on the tube, stacks the dishwasher in a way that is not correct, makes an unthoughtful comment, a poor park near your house so you can no longer park outside your house. They're silly small examples, but we do have these moments where maybe we feel powerful when we don't forgive. The servant clearly did here, he was on his motorbike. Maybe waiting to use it to take advantage of a situation further down the line. And at this point, maybe it's helpful to to recap some of the things that maybe forgiveness is not. Because as we think through the scriptures and you think through stuff like the Lord's Prayer, it seems, yeah, we're told to forgive. And if the Lord's Prayer is kind of like a prayer that we pray over and over again, you can draw the conclusion that it's quite likely we're going to need to forgive and regularly. And so there's, there's clearly precedent for it there. And we think of times maybe, I know I do, where unforgiveness has eaten away at me, where I've just felt in turmoil. I felt rubbish. I felt resentful. I felt angry. I felt real challenge when it's come to an area where I'm not forgiving somebody else. I'm in bits. They might not even know or care. But let's just quickly be clear on what forgiveness is not. Forgiveness is not forgetting. It's just not bringing it up and using it against someone. It's not tolerating sin or approving of what someone else has done. Forgiving someone doesn't excuse them from the consequence of their actions. Forgiveness is not pretending that we're not hurt, but it's also not staying bitter or putting requirements on our forgiveness. Nor not forgiving as a replacement for safety or justice. Not seeking revenge. When you forgive, although you are letting them off your hook, you're not letting them off God's hook. Who is the righteous judge? We need to let God be able to be God. And it's not just about the forgiver. There is a sense in which rebuilding trust and reconciliation is a piece that the Christian can play a part in. And I, and I, I mentioned in the other service, and I'll mention again now, there's nuance to a lot of this reconciliation stuff. I found this book by Tim Keller, Forgive, really helpful in unpacking some of those things. There's also a great YouTube kind of thing where he was interviewed about this that really speaks into some depth on those things. There's just not enough time to go into it today, but the Christian is called to forgive. Forgiveness is offering to others what God has offered us. And forgiveness is a cost to us. It is a cost to us. If the cross says anything, it says how costly and how painful forgiveness is. So I hope we see a pattern here. We are forgiven when we absolutely don't deserve it. And we're told to forgive. And my hope is that we can begin to say, I can forgive with God's help. I can forgive with God's help. Tough stuff. Wait for the next bit. Because then we get to these next few verses, and the master's called the servant in, you wicked servant. I cancelled your debt. Shouldn't you have done the same? He's handed over to the jailers to be tortured until he pays back all he owes. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. I'm not going to lie, debate to finishing the passage at verse 31. Would have been much easier. But let me just say a few words on this. As Christians, we are told we need to forgive others as we've been forgiven 
I tried to get around it, but it's all through scripture. It's pretty much ignore it. Like, you can't ignore it. It's there. It often seems transactional. Forgive to walk in the forgiveness, to fully walk in freedom that you've been given. There seems to be a moment where we have to forgive. So do we lose our forgiveness or our salvation when there's moments of unforgiveness? I don't think we do. But there is a direction of travel that is unavoidable for anyone who follows Jesus. A a direction of travel that is unavoidable. And you, you don't lose your forgiveness from God if you don't forgive this one person at this one moment in time. Otherwise, I'd be standing here having lost that and we'd all be sitting there having lost that. It's not a threat. This passage is not a threat. It's a radical mindset change. We'd all be forgiven if it was a threat. Unforgiven if it was a threat. All the time, it's a direction of travel. It's a direction of travel to say that forgiven people forgive. Forgiven people forgive. And I wonder whether the turmoil we feel when we need to forgive, that that pain that I talked about earlier in the unforgiving moments, in those moments where it's there, that resentment, the bitterness, the sick feeling, the anger, the pain, I wonder whether that is the torture we are reading about here, a result of unforgiveness. I recognize that in my own life. I don't know about you. We could say that forgiveness is setting a captive free and realizing you are the captive. Forgiveness is setting a captive free and realizing you were the captive. As we get to verse 35, it's worth noting that he is at the start of this verse, our Heavenly Father, and at the start of the passage is the big example of forgiveness, the king forgiving the debt. Forgiveness, it never starts with us. It's not about how much we can do or how much we can try. It never starts with us. It always starts with Jesus. The perfect example he set that we can attempt to model. What he did on the cross and what he does in forgiving us. When we can't, he can. When we don't have capacity, we fall on the capacity of Christ to forgive. When we can't forgive, we go back to his forgiveness because forgiven people forgive. Forgiven people forgive. In in Christ, because of Christ, you are a forgiven person if you call yourself a follower of Jesus. So how can we respond in practice today for me with the relational challenges I spoke about a little bit earlier most of the time I had to forgive before my feelings felt it it was an act of obedience I was able to know some peace because that's from the Holy Spirit but I was still there's still emotions going on there faith can activate before feelings follow I was so often in turmoil in my own mind about the challenges thinking the worst of others in this was not how much, in this for me, it was not how much forgiveness they deserved, but how much freedom I desired. It takes faith to forgive. I had to decide what they did and what they said was not going to hold me back. With one of my friends who let me down, they may never ask for forgiveness. So the forgiving part is mostly about my relationship with God. Often in relationships, that breakdown, the person in the wrong doesn't know or doesn't care what it is that they've done. And our, our forgiveness of others doesn't have to be dependent on their acceptance of it. In situations of broken friendship, it may be right to bring something up. But where, therefore, is, is forgiveness, we don't hold it over them in that conversation. Forgiveness doesn't mean that relationships always go back to exactly how they were before. Trust is built over time, and when it's broken, it has to be rebuilt. When it comes to reconciliation, I would encourage you to, to think through that a little bit more. If you know this is an area for you, I'd encourage you to speak to a friend about it, to, to, to speak to people in your connect group about it, to work out what that rebuilding process can look like, but to commit to our direction of travel. 
And it might be right to never go back to where you were. Not going in, back into situations that could hurt you. Of course, that can be true with abuse, but it can be true with smaller things as well. There are often boundaries that can and should be put into place. With past experiences that hurt when I was talking about that leadership process at the beginning of the talk, for me, this was, again, an example where forgiveness needed to be granted before it was felt. I had counseling around this experience, and this one took a real, like a real lot of time, actually. I remained bitter for a long time. Forgiveness was a process, and one that I needed help with. I wasn't able to do it on my own, and the Holy Spirit helped me, but I was also able to talk to people who were able to point things out to me as I went through that journey. I needed to put my faith in the forgiveness of Jesus. Faith enables us to see freedom where there is only offense. And I found that in this, I found freedom standing on the other side of forgiveness. And if the pain is deep, we sometimes have to let go of it many times. And with my own sin, I, I need to forgive myself, knowing that God has already forgiven me, not overlooking and tolerating sin, because God doesn't, but bringing it before him and knowing that it's forgiven. And for lots of us, maybe this is one that we need to respond to in part today, to get a bigger vision of the forgiveness that God has for you. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. And when we don't accept and walk in that forgiveness that God has offered to us, in many ways we're saying our standards are higher than God's. If he said it's finished, we need to be careful not to start it again. For my friend in that situation of horrific abuse, trusting God in the tension of the injustice, feeling the righteous anger, but trusting God ultimately as judge and not us. In this situation, he had only had space to forgive because his family was safely out of the situation and there was justice for the perpetrator who confessed and went to prison. My friend describes how his forgiveness in that situation has extended his capacity to forgive in the small ever since. He ended his message saying this to me, but the truth is, I couldn't have done it without first being convinced in my eight-year-old mind that Jesus loved me deeply. He had enough grace to spare for the ones who hurt me. And as we think about the final example as well that I shared with Corrie Ten Boon, with the symbol of her torture and hurt, she says that the, the meeting that I alluded to at the start where she met this SS officer who had personally been involved in her experience coming to the church after she, she spoke, and he said to her, how grateful I am for your message, Fräulein. He said, to think that, as you say, he has washed my sins away. Forgiveness is wanting good and even blessing for the people that have hurt us, wanting them to know Jesus. We show mercy and grace to the person that has hurt us. That's a, that's a godly thing to do. Daily deciding to forgive praying for our enemies to try and let go of hurt. But in that moment, Corrie Ten Boon says that when he came to shake her hand, she says, I who preach so often to the people in Blumendahl, the need to forgive, kept my hand at my side. Even as the angry, vengeful thoughts boiled through me, I saw the sin of them. Jesus Christ had died for this man, was I going to ask for more? Lord Jesus, I prayed, forgive me and help me to forgive him. I tried to smile, I struggled to raise my hand, I could not. I felt nothing, not the slightest spark of warmth or charity. So again, I breathed the silent prayer, Jesus, I cannot forgive him. Give me your forgiveness. And as I took his hand, the most incredible thing happened. From my shoulder, 
along my arm and through my hand a current seemed to pass from me to him while into my heart sprang a love for this stranger that almost overwhelmed me. And so I discovered that it is not our forgiveness any more than our goodness that is that the world's healing hinges on his. When he tells us to love our enemies, he gives along with the command, the love itself. So how can we respond to Jesus this morning? It's only possible because of the starting point. I had an image in my mind for most of the last month, which is going to come up on the screen now. It's very simplistic, and it is written by me, so it's hard to read. But essentially, this whole thing of we're in a circle that starts and ends with God. We are forgiven, each and every one of us. And it's only from that place that we're ever able to have the strength to forgive other people. We might not notice the need for this in the small things, but I can assure you we'll notice the need for it in the bigger. And as followers of Jesus, we are committing to being part of this, to playing our part in this. So to summarize, as the band come and join me. I can't forgive on my own. God can and does forgive. I can forgive with God's help. Forgiven people forgive.